I'm reading this evening is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. And in the Church Bibles, that's page 1053. That's Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Father God, we thank you that as we open the Bible, we can be confident that we'll hear your voice. And so we pray, gracious, kind Father, that that would be the case this evening. We pray that we would have hearts that long to learn and obey And we do pray that we'd leave here uh, feeling changed or uh, loving you more as a result of what we hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A a young lad was walking home from school. He was 13 years old. And it was the walk home he did every day. And as the group were walking home, uh, he made a joke, a light-hearted joke, just a bit of banter, that implied that he was gay. It was just a joke. But the rest of the lads, in response, thought it would be funny to run away. He, he ran after them, a bit embarrassed, crossed himself for saying something stupid. The next day, he turned up at school and he walked into the playgrounds, if that's what it's called at secondary school, and uh, he saw his group of mates, and when his group of mates saw him, they ran away. He again tried to run after them to keep up and was more than a bit embarrassed. The next day he walked into school and the same thing happened and the same thing on the way home. Day after day that happened for two weeks. He'd go to sit in class with the people who always sat next to him and they wouldn't want to sit on the same table as him. Sometimes he'd manage to find a space, other times he'd be off by, well, with other people who didn't know that well. You know, to the people who were teasing him, running away, it was all just a laugh. It was all just a bit of fun. But you can imagine to a 13-year-old boy, it really, really hurts. And he hoped that eventually the joke would stop being funny, the guys would get bored, but it didn't. It just carried on and on and on. Until eventually the young lad decided he wasn't going to run off them anymore. And he walked home by himself. 
And if you saw that young man walking home, you'd often see him crying, wondering why. When would it end? And if he hadn't been so proud, he might have cried in front of the lads and they'd have probably stopped, but he's too proud. And he soldiered on. And it never did end. And what was so hard for this young lad was that he was slowly becoming an outsider. He felt like he didn't belong anymore. And eventually the young man decided just to stop trying to be part of that friendship group and try to be part of another friendship group of people that were nothing like him, and it was painful. And the young lad felt alone and isolated, a complete outsider. And a feeling like you don't belong can be an incredibly painful thing. All of us want to be on the inside. Uh, maybe you resonate with that story. Maybe you can think of a time where you felt like you were in that situation where you've longed to be accepted. In the family, with the work colleagues, perhaps the school mums, the cool kids, or perhaps even in the church family. Perhaps even now you wonder, do I really belong? I feel like an outsider. None of us like that feeling. You know that feeling when you walk into a room and everyone knows each other and you don't know anyone? Thank goodness for mobile phones. Because now we can just sit in the corner and pretend we're busy doing important stuff. We hate that feeling. You know, some of us want to belong, but we want to belong to the group of people who don't belong. We want to be an insider with the outsiders. But all of us want to belong somewhere. I wonder if you've ever stopped to wonder why you feel like this. Well, the answer is that we've been made to belong. We're, we're made for relationship with God primarily, but then also to his people. We've been created to belong, to be inside the family. It, it's intrinsic to who we are. But what we naturally do as human beings is we reject God, we find ourselves cut off from him, and therefore cut off from his people. We feel the pain of that. We feel the pain of being an outsider. And that is true for the whole of humanity, whether we and they recognise it or not. Uh, Lee Evans, in his um, autobiography, the comedian Lee Evans, said this. He said, I've hurdled quite a few barriers and undergone an amazing journey. But the truth is, all I have ever been looking for is peace and acceptance. He's got thousands of people watching his stand-up routines. He just wants to belong. You see, without God, we, we end up striving to belong in the world... Or we find different ways of masking the pain. We change ourselves. We live differently. We speak differently. We dress differently. Or we manipulate people so they like us. We look for pleasure in other things to ease the pain. And that is exactly what Zacchaeus had done. He'd grown up as a Jew. He'd grown up knowing God, being part of his people. But he turned his back on his heritage, his gods, and his people. And instead, he turned to, I guess, a career, a life of pursuing wealth. And he'd done well. He was rich. 
And maybe he thought that would help him fit in with the bigwigs of Rome. It would make him a someone, an insider. Maybe he thought it would bring him happiness. Before we get too critical of Zacchaeus, that's not unfamiliar to us, is it? The toned-down virgin in our culture is, is retail therapy. And many people in the Western world seek happiness and satisfaction in wealth and the accumulation of stuff. Now, look, let me be really clear, okay? There's nothing wrong with being wealthy or having stuff. But we must remember that our motives are always mixed. Have you ever bought something and found yourself just wanting to show it off? A new house, the car, the gadget, the clothes, the career? It's sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, we want to parade our wealth, our stuff, our clothes. And the reason we do that is because we want to be seen as an insider. We want to be recognized, we want to belong. Our wealth, our stuff is just a vehicle, it's a vehicle for recognition or status. And both those things just stem from wanting to belong. As, a, as chief tax collector, Zacchaeus was responsible for collecting the taxes, uh, which uh, Israel were pay, due to pay to the Romans. And to be honest, as long as Zacchaeus got the money for Rome, the Romans didn't really care too much about how much Zacchaeus and his minions creamed off the top. And tax collectors were known for being corrupt and greedy. And worst of all, they were seen as traitors, siding with the Romans, the enemy power occupying Israel. I guess people would view them in the same way that people during the war would view uh, British citizens who sided with the Nazis. It's that sort of level of hatred. Zacchaeus is truly an outsider. But the thing is, as you read Luke 19, I wonder... I wonder whether he has just begun to realise that no amount of wealth can compensate for not knowing God or belonging to his people. Why else would this short little man be so keen to see Jesus? He's short, he's really short, so he can't easily see Jesus. He, he, he can't push his way through the crowds because he's hated. It'd be a mob, he'd be lynched. And so this little man runs and climbs a tree, both of which are pretty undignified things to do in this culture. This is a man who's desperate, maybe, to see Jesus. Why would he go to such lengths to do those things if he had everything he need? Well, I wonder. I wonder if he's beginning to see that no amount of wealth can compensate for being an outsider with God. I want you to try and imagine the scene with me, okay? I want you to try and imagine the tree and a little Zach sort of perched on a branch, slightly uncomfortable. There's always one branch in your back, isn't there? But yeah, he's sat up in the tree and uh, he sees Jesus and the crowd coming towards him. They get closer and closer until he's peering down at Jesus beneath his feet. And Jesus stops and, and looks up at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' heart must, be, must have been racing. And the crowd must have been excited too because they thought, finally, this little thing (laughs) 
is going to get the treatment, the judgment that he deserves. Go on, Jesus, get him. It's not what happens, though, is it? Quite unexpectedly, and it is unexpectedly, Jesus says in verse 5, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And you think, what? Jesus doesn't just stop and talk to Zacchaeus. He says, I'm coming to your house. I mean, it's no wonder, is it, verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. You think, of course they grumbled. What is Jesus doing? It's bad enough that he hangs out with the dregs of society. But even worse, he's now... He's now hanging out with Zacchaeus, a traitor, the worst of the worst. That is unthinkable for a man who claims to be the son of God. I wonder, can you imagine what Zacchaeus was thinking as he walks back with Jesus to his house? Shame, embarrassment. He's probably thinking about all the stuff he's got at home that he's acquired through his ill-gotten gains. Thinking Jesus is going to be sitting on the sofa that I paid for out of money I stole from people. And then he's thinking about his own life and he's thinking about the way he's treated others and the way he treated God. And then they get home and Jesus says to him, after their conversation, verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. You see, what Luke is trying to tell us in describing this, is describing this encounter is that Jesus didn't come for people who've got it all together. Jesus came for people who know they are lost. People who will recognize that no amount of wealth or stuff or anything for that matter can compensate for not knowing God or belonging to his people. um, A friend of mine was speaking at a student weekend away and uh, on the weekend he chatted to this young lady and it was obvious that this, this young lady wasn't a Christian. And so we asked, he said, how did you end up here? This is a weekend away, a church student weekend away for Christians. And she said, well, I just split up with my boyfriend and I was walking along the pavement literally sobbing. And someone from the church uh, spoke to me, checked I was to see if I was okay and just invited me to church there and then. And amazingly, she went and she came to church and then she came for the church weekends. Amazing stuff. And then she said to my friend who was speaking, when he asked her about how she was finding the weekend, she said this, I can see that Jesus is for nice people like you, but not for me. Isn't that tragic? It's tragic because this woman, this young lady, had completely misunderstood who Jesus came for. Zacchaeus was not a nice man. He was a figure of hatred whose sin was clear for all to see. And yet of all the people Jesus could have had dinner with, he picked Zacchaeus. He was a complete outsider, and yet he finds acceptance and salvation in Jesus. Why? What's Zacchaeus done? 
What does Zacchaeus have to do in order to be saved? Well, it's very, very simple. All he has to do is see and receive Jesus. The gospel writers don't just throw the gospels together. They think about what they're writing. They put it together in, a, in an order for a reason. And just before our passage in Luke 19, you read, Luke's put a, a, documented an encounter where Jesus meets a blind beggar. This blind beggar is the complete opposite of the social hierarchy to Zacchaeus. But he and Zacchaeus both have the same problem. They are both outsiders. And neither of them can see. The blind beggar, well, of course he's lost. Look at him, he's helpless, his life's in a mess, he's got nothing. He's desperately in need of God. He's desperately in need of Jesus saving him. But Zacchaeus, the rich man who, who lacks nothing, well, actually he's just as lost too, isn't he? He has everything, but he has nothing. They are both as blind as each other. And see, whether you have everything or nothing, you are lost and without seeing, you are lost without seeing and receiving Jesus. And what Jesus does in these two encounters is he enables both to see. Verse 6. So so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. When verse 6 says welcomed, I think more literally it means received. Zacchaeus received Jesus. And I think Luke has a lot more in mind than just Zacchaeus opening the door to Jesus and making him a cup of tea. Very British. Zacchaeus opens up his life to Jesus and lets him in. Zacchaeus receives Jesus joyfully. I don't know if um, when you've listened to testimonies, you've heard people talking about their story of um, how they became a Christian, you might have heard people say this, you know, I was this age and I found God. But when I hear that, I know what people mean, but, but it's just not true. No one finds God. We're lost. That's the whole definition of being lost, isn't it? You can't find your way. No, the story of salvation is one of God's finding us. Jesus finds Zacchaeus up a tree of all places. Jesus found you in your Christian family when you were seven. In your school CU when you were 13. Your youth group when you were 14. On your camp when you were 16. Uh, through the friends who told you about Jesus at university. Through the mum at the mums and toddlers. Through your colleague at work. You didn't find God. God found you. In fact, he came searching for you and invited himself in. All you did was see and receive him. Jesus opens your eyes. He causes the blind to see. And all you do is let him in. And when Zacchaeus gets this, it utterly transforms him, doesn't it? Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. It's whole scale change. It's massive change. It's not just doing the minimum required. He goes above and beyond. 
this sermon series is about transformed lives, isn't it? And, and I think there's probably no clearer example in God's Word than a transformed life like the one of Zacchaeus. How seeing and receiving Jesus changes us. Because when you see and receive Jesus, you no longer need to look to your wealth, or for that matter, anything else, to find acceptance. You don't need to look to anything else to mask the pain of not belonging to God's people. Zach doesn't need his stuff anymore. He wants to put things right. And I think what Zacchaeus does, and at this point in Luke's gospel, I think what Luke's trying to show us is, look, this is the expectation. If you've seen and received Jesus, this is what it looks like to be transformed, to receive Christ, and you will change. Look, as I said earlier, it's really not wrong to be wealthy or have stuff or to dress nicely. If that's your lot, then be thankful But the mark of one who has lost and now found is that they no longer need those things. They no longer need those things to compensate for a lack of acceptance before God. They no longer need those things to try and find joy and happiness. I've um, I've really enjoyed these last couple of weeks and listening to the testimonies. Um, No pressure, Andy, for tonight. but I've really loved listening to Emma and Amy's stories. I found it really moving, but I'm just a bit emotional. Um, and I thought the key for both of them was that they began to realize they were lost. And to the world, it looked like they had everything. But they began to realize they had nothing. And only then did they realize their blindness. And wonderfully, they both saw who Jesus was and received him. And they both talked about the process of lives being transformed. They no longer had to find a mask to cover their lostness. They truly belonged. They were truly insiders, enjoying the relationship with God they were made for. And see, these testimonies are wonderful. They should cause the people of God to rejoice. We should delight in lives turn around. And you'd expect God's people, wouldn't you, to welcome this change in Zacchaeus. To praise God for a life transformed. It's not all they do though, is it? Verse 7 again. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. See, if we forget that however our lives look on the outside, we were all lost. And that the only way to salvation is by seeing and receiving Christ. If we forget that, then we start thinking that people need to live a certain way or say certain things or dress a certain way in order to be acceptable before God. See, the crowd outside Zacchaeus' house didn't think Zacchaeus deserved to receive Jesus. You know, perhaps we shouldn't be too hard on God's people and the crowd outside and the way they reacted to Zacchaeus. After all, Zacchaeus was a figure of hatred. I wonder how we'd react at St Mary's if someone, if the Zacchaeus equivalent, turned up on a Sunday night. That'd be a challenge, wouldn't it? The the young lad that I described at the beginning, that was me. And during my struggles at school... 
the youth group at church for me was a, was a safe haven. It was the one place I still felt popular and loved and accepted and like I belonged. And then one day, one of the guys in the youth group at church, he was a bit on the outside, invited one of the ringleaders of the guys who'd been teasing me and making my life a misery to the church youth group. I was absolutely gutted. I longed for this guy not to be there. Hate's a strong word. I probably hated him at the time. And I thought, you are not deserving of God's grace. You do not deserve to be here. Jesus wasn't for people like him. And those feelings were understandable, perhaps even reasonable. And you might be able to think of similar people or situations where you feel the same. But God's word's challenging sometimes, isn't it? It challenges us to be different. It challenges us to remember that seeing, without seeing and receiving Jesus, we too were lost and undeserving of God's grace. We're just like Zacchaeus. You see, but for the grace of God, we'd all be on the outside looking in. The little man Zacchaeus in his tree, he's the outsider, isn't he? And yet by the end of this encounter, Zacchaeus is the insider. It's the religious people, the people who thought they were insiders, the people with their lives looking all religious and good, their sorted lives. They were the ones on the outside peering through the windows. They were the ones who were lost. It's a challenge to us, isn't it? I wonder if you noticed that Zacchaeus is invited to his own home by Jesus. That's my kind of hospitality. I might try that in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> the only way to be an insider is by receiving and receiving Jesus. Zacchaeus didn't even invite Jesus in. Jesus invited himself. So Mary's is a church full of people who've been invited in. And if without that invitation, we're lost. So let's remind ourselves this evening that our salvation, our confidence before God, is, is in nothing we bring to the table, is only be in being lost and found. Otherwise, we'll remain on the outside looking in. Let me finish with this. Before we are too hard on the crowd and too critical of them, their objection is kind of right, isn't it? Actually, the Son of God really shouldn't have anything to do with someone like Zacchaeus. Not if he's perfect and holy. He really shouldn't have anything to do with people like us. But of course, the people on the outside hadn't understood what Jesus would do next. Because a short while after meeting Zacchaeus, Jesus would also find himself up a tree. Only he would be nailed to his. And unlike Zacchaeus, the shame that Jesus felt wasn't his own. It was the shame and the guilt of the whole of humanity. It was his death for us. It was the true insider dying in the place of the outsider. 
that the outsider might be brought in. To invite someone into your home is an act of grace. When you read this account, don't make the mistake of thinking Zacchaeus is the one offering the hospitality and grace. He's not. It's Jesus who's the host. It's Jesus who's invited Zacchaeus in. All Zacchaeus done is see and receive him. Let's pray. Father God, we want to confess this evening the ways that we somehow think we are deserving of your grace, of deserving of being on the inside. Father, this evening we want to confess all the ways that we strive to belong, strive to belong in this world. And Father, this evening we want to thank and praise you that in Jesus you have invited the outsider in. Father, help us to marvel and take such joy in this truth. And we pray that day after day we would joyfully receive Jesus, knowing that he is everything. And without him we are lost. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.